Attended by Simmons. Is this the Tiger? Battleborn Phantom. Hello and welcome back to the Battleborn Blue Jays podcast. I'm your host as always, Joshua Insama, joined by my co-host, Nicholas Bellacci. Nick, the Jays swept the Los Angeles Angels in a thrilling offensive series. Let's get to your thoughts on this red-hot Jays baseball team. Well, I think we touched on this before, but this is what we've been waiting for. This is a good sign for sure. I mean, to go in there, not even a three-game series, a four-game series to get the first sweep of the season. You know, it was just an all-around fantastic effort. I think we saw almost everybody contribute at some point, uh, and there's a lot to feel good about. Yeah, you know, the Jays go into L.A. after crushing the Cardinals 8-1. to The first game on the Thursday night, they won 6-3. Uh, the Friday game, they won 4-3. The Saturday game, they won 6-5. And the Sunday offensive thriller. Uh, surprisingly, without Vladimir Guerrero Jr. in the lineup, uh, the Jays won 11-10. And that was, you know, a complete slugfest. Um, you know, offense is all around MLB. Look like they're starting to get hot right now. I don't know if, you know, you've been noticing that too. But, like, last night, the Baltimore Orioles crushing the Red Sox 10-0. Uh, you know, it's a, it's a good sight to see. We're starting to see some offense in baseball now. It's about time. Uh, how many times are we going to use the excuse about the shortened spring training? Uh, but you know, my biggest takeaway from the series, and it's just because of the last episode, we were like really harsh on Hunjun Ryu and what a performance he had in that opening game. I know he wasn't spectacular. wasn't ace material. wasn't, you know, something to you know, showboat about, but he beat Otani. And that was a matchup that me and you did not feel comfortable in. Although, you know, I felt really good going into the series. I don't know why, like my gut was telling me sweep. Like if you go back and listen to last pod. I accidentally said it, and then I kind of took it back. I felt like Jays would take three or four here. Um, but I just – I don't know. I just have this really good feeling about this baseball team. But let's start with Ryu beating Otani because that was something me and you uh, definitely were not confident in. Yeah, I mean, look, I, I, I'd be sitting here lying if I said that I wasn't absolutely shocked. Um, but I think I think to an extent, you know, this, this is kind of what Hunjin needs to do. I don't think, you know – we kind of talked about this on our earlier episodes about what the outlook is for the season. Look, he's not who he was. Okay. We, we know this. All right. But if, if this is what he can do, if he can come out, you know, and obviously there was a lot of luck involved. He gave up a couple of hard hit balls that maybe should have left, maybe should have gotten down, but you know, we got through it and that's going to have to come along, um, you know, when he starts. Um, but yeah, look, five innings, two runs, you know, six hits, one strikeout, one walk. I mean, I feel like that's probably the best hundred we can get. And hey, if we can see that, you know, often enough, that'll be phenomenal. I mean, look, it, we know that we're going to need to rely on the bullpen when he starts. But if he's able to, you know, eat up at least five, let's say five, six innings uh, in a start, that'd be fantastic. Because I think even starting throughout the beginning of the year, he wasn't really even getting through the third, fourth inning. Uh, so that's definitely a good sign against a very strong, uh, you know, Angels lineup. And I got to say, 
I don't know if you've seen the stat that they were putting up that Hunjin is the only hit, uh, only pitcher to have faced Mike Trout more than 10 times and not given up a hit. But, hey, man, kept the magic rolling. Uh, and as, as far as Shohei goes, I mean, you know, the, the strikeouts were there, but, you know, the Jays just got on him. You know, the, the long ball definitely played a fact. You saw Vladdy get a hold of one. Um, but, yeah, I don't think he had his best stuff. But, hey, they, they shocked me. What about you? No, no, how can you not? Like, I was nervous right from first pitch, like looking at Ryu and Otani and how both those, you know, two certain individuals seasons have been going, but even past even the last season and seasons prior, Otani is becoming arguably the face of baseball and, you know, Ryu's kind of been on the negative trend, but something about Ryu in this game, he had that personal motivation, you know, he knew that he was going against Otani. The odds probably weren't in his favor. And I just love that about him. He talked about it uh, after the game as well. You know, he had that kind of swagger to him in that game. And I really liked that from him as well. Uh, you brought up the Trout stat with him. I thought that was awesome. Um, I didn't even know that until he brought it up on the broadcast. Uh, Ryu owning Mike Trout. <laughs> that was something, you know, obviously because back when he was with the Dodgers and stuff like that. Uh, dates back to but still he continued it in this series as well but yeah you know I, I'll take that performance from many days especially going against probably the ace of the angel staff I don't think that's you know much of a debate uh, and you know that's a lot of stuff to feel good about now he's got a I guess easier matchup uh, with this homestand now going against uh, Michael Kopech uh, Kopech you know top prospect and all that stuff but you know now it's starting to look easier for him now that the matchups the way the rotation's looking the matchups he's gonna get like we're gonna see a lot of Baltimore really soon and stuff like that so I'm hoping he can get on a run here because I think we use a momentum pitcher as well if he feels good about his stuff um you know then his performance usually translates to that uh but you know enough talk about the pitching because that was only one game of the series let's look at Lourdes Gurriel right now Lourdes was you know a big topic for a lot of our episodes prior to this one, uh, you know, we both agree that he's usually a slow bat to start the season. Uh, it could be really down at times, uh, but when he's hot, he's hot. And, you know, sometimes he could do stuff that other players on this team can't do. And he was vital to game two of this series in game four. He only had five hits in the series over the four games, but in the uh, fourth game of the series in the 11, in the 11, 10 wins, sorry, with all of my words there, he had five RBIs. And in the first, in the second game, he went for three hits, um, one RBI, uh, you know, and without him, it's, you know, obvious the Jays don't get the sweep here. This is what we need to see from Gurriel. And now we're starting to see it, you know, his bats starting to come alive. And I'm just wondering, do you think this is that point in the season where we're going to start to see Gurriel change into the Gurriel that we all know and love? Yeah, no, look, I mean, there's no reason not to think that. Uh, I mean, I haven't even looked at the advanced numbers right now, but honestly, I don't care. Uh, if you look at, you know, his track record, the guy hasn't hit under 276 in his career yet. I know it's a short career, but, you know, in the four seasons, he hasn't been below. And he's coming off, you know, what is arguably one of his best seasons. You know, the guy did have, I mean, okay, maybe not arguably because I guess in that, you know, the shortened season, he did have like a 138 OPS plus. But, you know, he's coming off a very strong season in which he hit 20 home runs, 80 RBIs. Uh, 276 average. So look, we know what the guy's capable of. And frankly, in my opinion, he's one of the most important pieces in this lineup because he's what kind of extends, uh, you know, the damage past the four or five spot. You know, if he's up playing up to what he's capable of, that's what make this, makes this lineup so dynamic and so dangerous because it does stretch out through eight or nine guys who can hurt you. 
you know, when he, you know, let's, let's be honest, to start the year, he's been ice cold, but I think we're seeing some really strong signs. The guy's hitting 286 over his last seven games, I believe. We saw him, you know, a couple strong performances in the Angels series. So, yeah, I think he's turning it around, and I think it's going to show well for him and the team. Yeah, I agree. I'm a huge Gurriel fan. Uh, I have some bias towards him. You know, he's such a fun player, so fun to watch. You can tell the teammates love him. Uh, he's a great clubhouse guy, and, you know, all the peanut power stuff and just the vibes that he brings to the team, you know. I'm hoping he's here with the Jays long term. Obviously, we don't know what his future holds. For some reason, the poor guy's always in these – mock trades from the fans i don't know why i mean i guess he would be a valuable asset to other teams but i'm hoping guriel can stay here long term because i love that guy but with that let's go to the offense like in general now because the offense was rolling it was rolling yes they scored eight runs in st louis but they came into los angeles and they were scoring runners and scoring in position and that's something that you know i was celebrating i mean you were talking about that as well over text you know we were surprised at certain points throughout the series runners were coming in to score and you know i'm confident in this offense i know you are as well we know this is one of the best offenses in baseball but now they're starting to score runs but at a more rapid pace and the thing that i'm liking most about it is they're not just scoring runs off the home run they're scoring multiple ways um we're seeing the speed come around now a little bit more than what we were seeing during the down stretch and you know this is a series where, yes, they swept the Angels, but it was a sweep where they came back in games to win. You know what I mean? They were trailing in certain moments in times where they looked like, you know, they were out of it, rallying in the ninth inning at certain points as well in this sweep. So to me, I'm extremely confident right now going into this homestand against Chicago. But I want to get your thoughts on the offense right now because it looks like we're starting to see it finally come into flourish. Yeah, I agree. I think the you know the big thing about the sweep, like I, you know, I was I was uh, alluding to when we first started uh, this episode, is that they won the games in you know a vast variety of ways. You know, it wasn't like they just uh, you know slapped them around for four straight games. No, some were you know some were come from behind, some were leading. You know, a lot of run, or, sorry, a lot of one run games. Uh, but no, the offense definitely looks a lot better right now, and I think we're in a good spot uh, at this point in the schedule. I mean, look. Moving forward, we have one of the easiest schedules in baseball, so I think that should continue, and we're hitting our stride at the right time. Uh, you know, the the I think that also has something to do with the struggles, given how difficult our schedule was for the first month coming off. You know that <clears throat> that uh, shortened spring training could not be easy, uh, but yeah, I, th I think things are trending upwards. And you know, I think honestly, man, I, and I, like we said over text, how many home runs? have we been robbed of because of these? Like, I know, I know everyone's dealing with them. I, I do know. And, I, and that's a very fair statement, but I'm watching a lot of these games and guys like Danny Jansen and, and Matt Chapman just can't buy a home run. It seems sometimes don't get me wrong. Danny's putting them out, but he deserves more than three over the last seven. What about you? What do you think? Honestly, like Chapman should file a complaint to major league baseball, get some lawyers. Cause it's a shame how hard this guy's hitting the baseball. All the analytics prove it as well. He is literally destroying the baseball. And for some reason, it just cannot go over the fence. I feel so bad. Uh, but, you know, everybody in the league is dealing with them. I guess it's tough to make, you know, a valid excuse and argue it. But still, like, I feel so bad for this guy because if this is last season, and I know we agree about the baseballs, but if this is last season, 
this guy's home run category numbers right now, I think they'd be like almost near double to where he is at right now. And he's been robbed of a lot. It feels like every single series we're seeing, you know, robberies and robberies from him. Balls where it looks like they were absolutely crushed right off the bat uh, that look like they should be going out. They just seemingly die once they get to the outfield. And it's frustrating. But, you know, like you said, the league's dealing with it. So, I mean, it's tough, but what are you going to say, right? Yeah, I, I don't want to get too far off topic when I mention that. I, you know, that's just what comes to mind because I'm seeing how great the offense is moving along. And, you know, there are spots where a guy like Chapman or Danny Jansen hits a very, you know, I think, I think Jansen is the one that comes to mind primarily uh, where he should have had that three-run home run late in the game against uh, the Angels, but he didn't end up getting it. But, no, overall, I don't want to, you know, distract from the point that the offense does look a lot better top to bottom. Kirk's really come on as of late. Uh, he's been fantastic. Uh, still waiting for Teoscar to wake up, and I think when he comes around, that's you know things are going to be a lot scarier. Yeah, once Teo's bat is awake, this offense, oh, sky's the limit. But with that, let's go to the Chicago White Sox series now. Um, you know, opening game is tonight. Giolito going against Gosman. Giolito's kind of that ace of the White Sox staff. Obviously has been for the last about three to four years now. He has a three and one record. Uh, he's pitched 37.2 innings so far this season with a 2.63 ERA, a 1.25 whip, 51 strikeouts and 14 walks. Giolito, you know, he's had some ups and downs in his time in the MLB, but when he's on his game, he's on his game. He's a very talented arm, um, probably the best in the White Sox rotation uh, right now. They do have a lot of young studs. Like I said, in game two, we are going to see Kopech against Ryu, but you know, Giolito is probably the guy that I've, I'm a little bit nervous to face. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, given that Lance Lynn is out, because we know how, you know, fantastic he's been the uh, last couple of years. But given that he's out, I think Giolito is their best pitcher. I mean, there is a thing to be said for Dylan Cease. He's a very talented arm for sure. Uh, luckily, we're not going to see him. I believe he's on the restricted list. Uh, I could be wrong about that, but I think he's on there. Uh, and, yeah, I think game three is Cueto. So, I, I mean, you can make that or make of that what you want. I'm not really sure what to say at this point. It's a little early to say uh, where he's at. But, yeah, I, I would say that, you know, they have a very talented rotation, a lot of arms. I'm a big fan of Kopech. I think he's going to be fantastic, uh, you know, in his career. But I would say Giolito at this point, uh, given everything, is definitely up there for uh, number one or two for their arms. Yeah, this White Sox team, you know, I look at their records, obviously way better team than what their record shows. This team has battled injuries all season long. Like, that's no question. They've lost star talent everywhere, whether that's in the outfield, infield, or even pitching. Um, so this is a team that, you know, it reminds me a lot of the Jays in certain areas because this is a team that is more known for their offense, um, definitely an offensive-driven team. And they've really struggled to score runs. It kind of reminds me of the Jays' cold streak. You know, we look at – guys that have been you know staples in this league like Jose Abreu he's only batting 236 this season he only has five home runs and 165 at bats yes age he is you know 35 now but this is a guy that you know he was their power hitting first baseman for a long time now they just lost Tim Anderson to the IL again he's on the 10-day IL um, you know he's missed a lot of time this season uh, Luis Robert is coming back um, from COVID, so he's back. But like you said, they don't have Lance Lynn right now. Eloy Jimenez has missed a lot of time with a hamstring injury. 
Uh, he's also a power hitting left fielder for them. So this is a team that, you know, their defense is really sloppy. I was watching a few of their games uh, last weekend. Obviously, I have a brother who's a huge White Sox fan. So the White Sox are always on my TV if the Jays aren't playing. And, you know, I've watched them play very sloppy defensively. They brought in some new talent like A.J. Pollock from the Dodgers. His bat just isn't in it right now. This is a team that they look very tense and they don't, they're definitely not up to form. I can see a sweep here for the Blue Jays. I think the Jays are going to take two or three, but I would not be surprised they sweep because, you know, I brought up Kopech in the earlier episode. Now Hyunjin Ryu is going to get a chance against him. I'm, I, I would be more comfortable playing Kopech in a wild card game than I would Otani, like just to say like what matchup I prefer. So I think I'd rather play Kopech in that area. I think Otani was a harder matchup for Ryu. So I, I think, you know, we have the advantage there compared to the last series, but Cueto, you know, Cueto's a guy that he's had so many ups and downs where it's so hard to make him, like, make what he is at this point. Like, we know the kind of style he brings, the pitching uh, repertoire that he has. This is a guy that sometimes the Jays have hit really well. There's been times where he's played really well against the Blue Jays. He has a weird kind of uh, pitching formation. I can't stand him. Uh, I'm sure you know I'm sorry, I choked there. I'm sure you know that I cannot stand Johnny Cueto. So, you know, he's going against Manoa. I think that's another favorable matchup. And then Gosman versus Julio tonight. I don't know how you can't pick Gosman. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, quick note, I'm going to say that, you know, it, it is kind of funny how things work out with injuries and all that and struggles because, you know, you're looking at two teams right now who aren't where they want to be. And, you know, going into the season, if you would have asked me what my – uh you know, my most likely uh, ALCS would have been, this would have been it right here. That, that's my pick. That's what my pick would have been at the start of the year. Uh, I'm still confident it could happen. But, yeah, you know, I, I'm surprised at where the White Sox are for sure right now. Uh, speaking about the series, uh, yeah, I think, you know, the, the whole – I think I think two of three is very likely. Uh, the third game, so it's the middle one that I'm really looking at, that all comes down to which Hunjin we get. Uh, if he can carry over the success from last time, then I think we'll handle it. Uh, but, you know, if he if he turns in a stinker like he has done, you know, more times than not, then obviously that's going to be a wash. So I think it all just comes down to his performance. Uh, besides that, I'm fairly confident in both uh, Gosman and uh, Manoa to get the job done. So I think we're looking at a series win uh, and the rest is just on Hunjin. All right. Now, you know, we know the White Sox have a pretty good bullpen, especially in the later stages, although it's important to mention that they do not have Kendall Graveman. He's also on the list. Um, with you know multiple other players like you said dylan cease cease is a fantastic pitcher by the way like i know you know that but anybody listening that's not familiar with him this guy's a stud and definitely watch out for him in years to come because i think a cy young is somewhere uh down the road for him but let's look at the jays bullpen right now just briefly i just want to bring up jimmy garcia and you know i saw a tweet the other day i forget who mentioned it exactly uh might have been keegan matheson on twitter or something but they brought up Jimmy Garcia and this was before his last appearance and Jimmy Garcia um, playing back-to-back days or with only one day of rest against 35 batters this season only has four K's, two walks, two home runs, 10 hits and six earned runs. Jimmy Garcia with two days plus of rest against 37 batters this season, 10 K's, one uh, walk, Zero home runs, only five hits, and one earned run. It looks like Jimmy Garcia is one of those bullpen guys that needs rest, and it's crucial to his game. And, you know, that's a lot of pitchers around the MLB. But 
does that stick out to you? Is that something that, you know, matters to you? Yeah, I mean, it has to, you know, given how the, uh, how drastic the differences are, I think, you know, that's something that has to be taken into consideration. Uh, on the flip side, uh, to make that a possibility to put him in a spot that he can be most successful, they need more depth. I mean, that's kind of just the only way, especially with Mesa going down. Uh, and now Barucky, uh, you know, DFA'd, uh, you know, we really need more depth in that department for Jimmy to be able to have that extra rest. Because again, a lot of the times we use him without necessity because we have no one else to go to or he's the best guy for the spot. But given his inconsistency when he has to pitch back-to-back days uh, or something along those lines, you know, I think that's something that needs to be addressed. Because, uh, you know, if it, it, in a perfect world, you're going to use him in those spots that he's most effective. Uh, but, you know, I think it just comes down to, uh, you know, the numbers game and who we have in the bullpen. Yeah, Jimmy, you know, I'm a huge fan of his. Uh, that was a guy that I wanted last year near the deadline. Uh, it's crucial that he gets his rest in because these numbers are totally different. And, you know, obviously, like you said, we don't really have the depth in the bullpen right now. They're going to have to go out and make some ads. Like you did mention, Boric, he DFA'd literally just before we started recording this episode. He has an ERA of 9.95. I expect someone to pick him up. Um, I'm sure you do as well. But with that, let's kind of slide now to this week for the 2016 Blue Jays really quickly. A lot of important stuff here. Um, So Kevin Pillar is back in the MLB, obviously with my least favorite team in the league, the Dodgers. Aaron Sanchez, unfortunately, got DFA'd. Jay Happ retired this morning. And the most important one is that Russell Martin has retired. And you know that I'm a huge Russell Martin fan. So this was, you know, a tough moment to kind of think about all the happiness and, you know, all the amazing moments with Russ. Uh, But what was your takeaway from this week? Because there is a lot of old Blue Jays who either had a good week or a tough week. Yeah, I mean, it's always interesting looking at those guys, you know, when they, you know, go on to the end of their careers. Um, you know, they always hold a special place. Uh, I mean, that was kind of the first really competitive team that I got to see uh, and got to witness, with my, you know, in my lifetime. Uh, you know, obviously I wasn't, wasn't born for the uh, World Series runs and all that. So, you know, beginning to see that competitive team 2015, 2016, you know, that was a really special time. Uh, and to see these guys who contributed and, you know, look, it, they're all guys who were kind of, uh, they're all different in a way. You know, if you look at how their careers kind of went, you know, Aaron Sanchez during those runs was like the young stud who, you know, was proving himself and doing all that and fighting off injuries and, and that kind of thing. And, you know, eventually we learned that those injuries played his career and kind of derailed the whole thing, uh, unfortunately, because he was a special talent. Uh, and then you had Kevin Pillar, who was kind of like, you know, the, the grind that out kind of guy who, you know, he wasn't flashy in any department, you know, and he kind of just worked his way up until he, you know, found his role on the Jays. Uh, and then you had Russell Martin, who was a big free agent signing, you know, Canadian born, uh, who kind of came in and was that veteran leader. So, you know, it is interesting to see how, you know, all those guys came together at different points in the career uh, to help, you know, uh, you know, put together that, you know, competitive Blue Jay team uh, that we got to witness over those couple of years. Uh, and, and, you know, also on the flip side, it is interesting how their career kind of uh, evolved afterwards. And we saw, you know, where they went. And unfortunately, not a lot of them have found success. A lot of that has to do with age, injuries and that. But, you know, I'm always going to wish the best for all those guys. And uh, you know what? And, and if we think about it, if it wasn't for Russell Martin, uh, you know, 
his amazing throwing ability back to the pitcher. It wouldn't be for uh, one of the greatest, and I would say the greatest bat flip of all time, uh, one of the most important home runs in Blue Jay history. You know, as we're talking about Russell Martin right now, thinking about Johnny Cueto, obviously coming to Toronto uh, this series, the one play that always comes back to mind, and this is not really Blue Jays relevant, but it was his home run in the wild card with the Pittsburgh Pirates against Johnny Cueto. And I'm just going to roll the audio just to kind of give, you know, listeners a little bit of a feel for what I'm talking about. So, you know, that was a moment that always sticks with me because that was when playoff baseball was before the Jays obviously were competitive. So, you know, watching the NL side and the AL teams, when they signed Russell Martin, I literally watched that video over and over and over again because now he, you know, he was in Toronto. Uh, He was without a doubt my favorite catcher in the MLB at the time. So I was so stoked for him, arguably one of my favorite Jays players in history i'm a huge catcher guy like i have a bias towards the position if you ask me who's my favorite blue jay of all time it's jp or Sebia. let's not go into details about that but you know i'm a weird guy i i have a catcher bias and to me that was just a moment that always like will be in my heart forever and i cannot thank russell martin i want to congratulate him on a fantastic career um but yeah good for him and you know now let's kind of you know, we're wrapping up towards the end here. Let's give some prospects a shout here. And, you know, me and you were talking this morning. There's two of them that are really standing out. There's three that are, you know, really making headlines. But let's start with Ricky Tideman. You know, he enters the top 100 prospects list this morning. He is now a top 10 left-handed pitching prospect after Mackenzie Gore has graduated from the system. Tell me, are you excited for Ricky? Because, you know, I was looking at some of this tape today, and, man, this guy is a filthy left-hander. Yeah, man, it's hard not to, you know, be excited about this. You know, I everywhere I turn, uh, and I'm looking at, you know, whether it's Blue Jays Twitter or whatever it might be, he is everywhere. You know, everyone's, you know, buying into the hype. And I can see why. You know, he's got the stuff. He's got the makeup. Uh, the numbers are eye-popping. He goes out there, and it seems like every performance he just gets better. Uh, and, you know, for, for a club that's lacking, you know, when you look at the, uh, you know, the depth chart down the road, uh, not now, you know, he's, we're not talking about the immediate future, but, you know, you're looking at the uh, farm system moving forward. And, you know, there aren't really anybody, you know, any eye-popping guys that are pitchers that you're like, okay, you know, I can see him, you know, bursting onto the scene and making an impact. But, he, you know, what we've seen from him kind of points me in that direction, thinking that, you know, what can this guy in a couple of years, you know, be – uh, that top end level talent. And, you know, at this point in his career, who's to say he can't, you know, it really looks like it. So I've been impressed so far. All right. You know, you mentioned everything about Ricky, but I want to mention Samad Taylor because Samad Taylor as well, he already has 20 stolen bags this season in Buffalo. He's, he was, you know, acquired five years ago in the Joe Smith trade, but right now Taylor's slash line is 281, 374 and 438 in 45 games in AAA. He's a right-handed hitting 23-year-old that can play second base and left field that has tremendous speed. Um, You know, we talked about Ricky. Like you said, Ricky has all the stuff that shows, you know, promise down the road here. 
Uh, definitely one of those prospects left in the system that, you know, you kind of get excited about. As the Jays are getting better, that obviously means that the talent pool in this farm system is starting to lessen. But these two guys are very notable to mention because, you know, like I said, Ricky's now in the top 10 left-handed pitching prospects. But I want to get your thoughts on Smod Taylor because he's a guy that, you know, a lot of people are talking about could have some, you know, sneaky value to this Blue Jays team right now. Yeah, I mean, I, I agree with that. I think he's, you know, he's one of the more MLB-ready guys that we have down there at the moment. Uh, you know, that also does make him an attractive trade chip, you know, if they want to go down that path. The thing is with him, you know, it, it's hard to play the middle infield uh, in the Blue Jays organization because there's just so much talent. Like, there's just, like, you know, between not, not even at the major league level, you know, you're talking about you have a Relvis, you have Groshans, you know, the, that's just the two guys in front of him. Like, it's, you know, it's tough. What do you, but, you know, regardless, he's had a phenomenal start to the season. You know, can I see him in that utility-like role? I mean, for sure, 100%. I don't doubt it. I think given the fact that, I don't know if you noticed during the uh, the Angels series, but the Jays practically emptied their bench uh, through every game to get through it, right? So I think it wouldn't hurt to have an additional guy, uh, even if you had to sacrifice, uh, you know, someone somewhere. Uh, you know, I don't know who that might be at this stage. Um, but regardless, I think, you know, I think he definitely has a potential role if he can fill it well, you know, that speed threat off the, um, off the bench, as well as just a guy who can play all over. Uh, you know, hit for a little bit of average. So the spot's definitely there. Uh, I think they're going to give Biggio more run in that role for at least right now for the foreseeable future. But I don't doubt that, you know, uh, come September or even, you know, maybe before that, maybe after the all-star break, I don't, I, you know, I wouldn't be shocked if we see him up there getting regular at-bats to give guys breaks. Uh, you know, we do see how, um, you know, how rest-friendly, I guess you could say, the uh, Jays organization is. So I would not be surprised to see him up in the coming future. Yeah, I'm really excited about those two. Uh, Ricky, probably a little bit more just because, you know, left-handed pitching in the MLB is always, you know, in demand. And if you have a guy that has some wipeout stuff like he does and, you know, has all the signs that look like he is going to be, you know, maybe a top-end rotation starter, uh, if you keep this up down the road here, uh, you know, you can't help yourself and not get excited when you have those prospects in your system because, you know, pitching prospects are wanted all over baseball. They're probably the most boomer bust. And, when you have one that's showing those promising signs and, you know, now is in the top 10 for left-handers, uh, that's really cool to me. So I'm really looking forward to Ricky and uh, what his future has down the road here. But as we get to the end here, uh, I just want to go back to the series starting tonight one more time. And the Jays, I want to mention, are 14 and 8 at home at Rogers Center. Uh, like you said, there's probably two favorable matchups for them. Uh, Michael Kopech is heck of a pitcher, and he's definitely going to get, you know, more of the betting odds when he's going against Hunjin Ryu in terms of head-to-head. -head. But, you know, this is a series that I think me and you can agree that we're both really comfortable about, no? Yeah, 100%. I think given the way the team showed, uh, you know, showed some promise with the bat lately, I think that they're on the uh, upswing, you know, and I think they'll carry that over into this series and ones after. One thing about the White Sox as well, you know, I already mentioned uh, Tim Anderson will not be in this series. Uh, he's huge to their lineup because he is the leadoff guy and he has a mix of speed and power. And, you know, he's usually their guy that kind of gets the offense going. Um, he's such a great player. One of my favorites to watch in the MLB, probably, you know, my second or third favorite shortstop in baseball. And, uh, you know, without him, in the lineup for the White Sox, that's huge. But I think it's important to mention Luis Robert. And Luis Robert coming back off the COVID IL, 
He is, you know, a potential MVP winner. He is a fantastic baseball player. Uh, you know, we only got a little bit of time left here on this episode. Uh, just give me your quick thoughts on Luis Robert, because this is a guy that I think you've got to mention when talking about Chicago. Yeah, I mean, what is there that you could, like, you know, how can you even put it into words how special this guy is? I mean, let's be honest. Even when he was struggling, the guy screams five-tool player. You know, he, he just has every tool you can imagine, every ability you can imagine. He can do it all. Uh, quick word on uh, Tim Anderson. I do want to, you know, give him some love because, in my opinion, he is one of the better shortstops in the game. He is also in my top three uh, favorite to watch. I think, um, you know, I'm a big uh, I'm a big Bogarts guy as well. I'm not going to lie. Although he is a rival Red Sox, do love watching him play, and I know the guy mashes. So that's kind of my top three. Obviously, throw Bo in there uh, in terms of, you know, who I like to watch. But yeah, Robert's a special talent. Uh, you know, I think he's going to be a heck of a player. Uh, I think he's MVP caliber at some stage. So, you know, getting him back definitely bodes well for this lineup. Yeah, uh, my top three, I have to put Nando in there. For me, it's Tatis, Bichette, and Timmy. Those guys, I will watch them any day of the week. Um, you know, there's times where I'm watching Jays and then Padres right after because the pods are usually on late. But, you know, these are incredible shortstops. Uh, who unfortunately aren't going to get to match up in this series. But, you know, Tim Anderson, we both agree, definitely one of our favorites to watch. So I think that is where we're going to leave off on today's episode. We will be back after the homestand. Uh, just give me your final how many games you think the Jays are going to win the series. Uh, yeah, you know what? Man, should we, just, should we just be bold? Should we just do it? I'm going sweet, man. I have you know this feeling where – Yeah, you know what? Let, let's just ride with it. This is, this is a young team. They ride on emotion. I, you know, I can see it. Yeah. I'll put my name on that. I'll put my name on that. All right, folks. That is going to be it from us today. Thank you guys for listening. Uh, hopefully, we are right in calling a Jay sweep here. We will see you after the homestand to recap whatever happens here over the next three days. Thank you very much for listening. Go Jays go. And we will be back with you guys soon. Stripping